Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 19, Back in the High Life Again. Mary, what happened this week? Jack McKay is home from prison, so he tells Dylan to invite all his friends over for a getting-out-of-prison party. Jim tells Brenda she can't go. Brandon has to work. Steve has to go to a basketball game. And Andrea also had an excuse, apparently. The only people who show up are Christine and Kelly, who isn't hungry. You might remember a little ultimatum between Brenda, Kelly, and Dylan regarding him having to choose one of them to be with. Well, Dylan made a choice, and it's Kelly, because she was there, and Brenda wasn't. Kelly still feels guilty about hooking up with Dylan over the summer, and tells him that they have to come clean to Brenda in order to make their relationship work. Eventually, Dylan and Kelly do tell Brenda they're together, and also cheated together while Brenda was in Paris. Brenda tells them she hates them, and she'll never speak to them again. It turns out Mel Silver really is cheating scum, so that sucks, especially for David, who doesn't want to be separated from his baby sister. That all turns out okay, though, because Jackie says he can stay at her badass modern mansion to be close to baby Aaron. Brandon is defo 100% addicted to sports gambling. You can tell because it has become more important to him than twin talk. Also, he asks Nat to give him his bookie's phone number after Nat forgets to place Brandon's bet on the game he blew off Twin Talk to watch. Andrea wants to dye her hair but can't decide how dramatic of a change she's ready for. Donna helps Andrea pick out a color and does her hair. It looks great and Steve compliments it. I mean, (gasps) honestly, like, he really covered it. Like, (laughs) stuff didn't really happen. Yeah, right before you signed on to the recording... Uh, we were saying, I was like, Mary could probably just do her synopsis and then you and I can be like, yep, that was it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah, I can do my, my quote of the week and then bounce. Because, I mean, this was a pretty good episode, but it was very much plot development instead of like, like nothing resolved itself. There was no yeah. story of the week to really talk about. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because we knew, we knew Jack was coming. So this was just kind of like, Jack got out of prison, the aftermath, and then we knew about Mel cheating on Jackie, so this is just the fight, and then we've known Brandon's gambling, so this is just Brandon keeps gambling, and then we've known... You know what I forgot to say is that Jack wants Dylan's trust fund, because that was like the main (laughs) point. Yeah, I guess that was the story of the week. I mean, because I guess... The only thing that gets resolved that, like, we've been leading up to is Dylan picks Kelly, and then she makes them tell Brenda. But even that doesn't feel totally resolved because now Brenda's pissed at them, and so, like, we have to make them be friends again before it's truly over. Yeah, because it's like we, the audience, have been waiting and waiting and waiting to see when or if Kelly and Dylan would ever actually tell Brenda. Because think about it. If... I mean, I think regardless, they probably would have had to come clean because even if Dylan picked Brenda, then Kelly would still feel like shit. So, I mean, yeah, that but yeah, you're right. We still have to deal with like, okay, what next? Like what now? What what happens to this main female friendship that we've been absolutely head over heels for for the last three seasons? Well, and it's going to be really interesting now that uh, Mary has mentioned that Brandon is so into gambling, he has no time for twin talk. Yeah. I just think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, he's over here doing his thing. And Dylan even says, you know, I'm probably not going to be at your house for a while. Your dad doesn't really, like, he's not going to want to deal with me. Brenda's definitely not going to want to deal with me. So just watch out for her. Yeah. It's like, where is Brenda's support system now? Because it's not like, I mean, I guess she could talk to Cindy, but at the same time, Cindy's not a high school girl. And, like, she definitely can't talk to Jim because Jim hates the McKays, all of them. And now there's this business with his money. And, I mean, I guess Brenda could talk to Donna, but then that would be, like, splitting Donna into two. And that's not good. So, yeah, it's like, what? Who, without Brandon being available for Twin Talk, who, who will she go to? Will she go to anyone? Will she rebel? What will she do? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> After you were, like, checking everyone off the list, I was like, who is left? Andrea. But even then, I don't know that Andrea is going to want to get involved with it. 
Like, I feel like she'll give the practical answer and the yeah. answer that people should go with, which is kind of what Cindy will do, but, like, as a mom instead of as a peer. And then, who know, like, you know Brenda's not going to go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, she needs somebody that's close to it, but not too close to where it's going to fracture other friendships. But, like, you know, because the practical advice you get from Andrea, like, she wouldn't care about. She it, w- it wouldn't be what she needs to hear or what she wants to hear. And so that's why she needs Brandon because Brandon is close enough to Dylan to, like, be in the friend group and, like, be close enough to him. But then also, like not close enough to where him taking her side, quote unquote, is a big deal because it's like they're siblings. So there's there's not really a different side. Well, and I think we've definitely seen Brandon stuck between Dylan and Brenda before. And man, they, they've all managed to get out of it in one piece. So like, mm-hmm. I think that's why it feels comfortable to say she should just go have twin talk. Yeah. But Brandon is obsessed with basketball, which honestly – Basketball gambling has got to be draining. There are so many basketball games in a season. Yeah, there's like 82, I think. And that's just like, that's, yeah, 82, that's not counting postseason. So even if he was betting on all of them, that's a long time to, time to be betting and a lot of money. I mean, I do like that they're consistently keeping him to one sport in the sense that like he's starting to learn things about it because I mean, there is like, I guess, knowledge you can gain about gambling like what is a good spread what is a good take like I don't know the terms but you know because he even says at some point during the episode when he's talking to Nat or Steve or both he's like well yeah it's it's Lakers plus two or something he's like it that's a good bet or that's a good spread I don't I don't remember what he said but he's starting to you can tell he's starting to learn about it and so now it's going to be dangerous because he knows more than just throwing money at it so now he's got an attachment to it so Mm. Oh, boy. I do. I will say one last thing um, before we get into like actual synopsis or actual actual events. But I actually kind of like that they're throwing at us that Brandon's not going to be available for twin talk because they've kind of been building this for a while. Right. Like build not just building the Dylan Kelly Brenda thing, but building the gambling thing. And they're both happening like kind of right at the same time. So it's actually like really good pacing on the writer's part and the. Um, and Darren Starr and everybody to make this happen because it feels very natural. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. I think this is really interesting, especially if you think about it, this is the end of high school. So this is a pretty pivotal time in relationships and friendships anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's all reaching the boiling point, which by the way, I'm pretty sure was a Degrassi event, the boiling point. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. I remember um senior year of high school I got into a fight with my friend Katie and we had been best friends since like sixth grade and Katie got mad at me and I did something and honestly and truly I don't remember what I did like I remember who was involved but I don't remember what I did I probably said something to the wrong person or told a secret who knows Katie might remember I don't remember but spoiler alert we're still really good friends to this day but I just remember thinking at that time senior year I was like we're done we can't come back from this like we've never gotten into a fight like this we only have like you know three months however long it was to repair this before then we're going to separate colleges whatever will we do (laughs) but we fixed it we're all good hi Katie I was gonna say doesn't Katie listen to this she sure does (laughs) Katie, come on the podcast. I've been dying to, and then Rona happened. Throw Caitlin under the bus. Yeah, throw me under, because I don't remember what I did. And for that, I'm sorry, and for what I did. <laughs> yeah, if we have to have my high school friend on here, we have to have some of Caitlin's high school friends on here. I'm more than happy to do that. I'm still friends with approximately one of my friends, two of my friends from high school. <laughs> When I hear approximately, I'm waiting for you to be like, I'm friends with approximately 50% of my graduating class. We're good for the rest of the show. Yeah. No, one of them lives in Texas, so that would be a little hard to arrange. We are currently remote recording. That's true. Yeah, but the vibe, the vibe would be different. We'll make it happen if if it's meant to happen. If it's meant to happen. If Beverly Hills ever goes to Texas, (laughs) we'll have Claire on. Yep. 
Does Claire okay. listen to the podcast? I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not her thing. Like, not Beverly Hills, but podcasts in general. So maybe I'll try to get her to. She works out a ton. Just tell her to listen to it while she exercises. Oh, I was like <laughs> having a hard time grabbing onto why that mattered. <laughs> <laughs> I just think she's really fit and I wanted to point it out. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I mean, right is right. <laughs> the episode opens with Dylan and Jack, I guess, taking a limo from prison. <laughs> Yeah, it was at very minimum, like, from the attorney's office or something. But, yeah, it seemed like it was from prison. Mm hmm And I didn't really mention, like, I didn't totally clock a lot of what was happening in that. I know that Dylan's dad was on the phone, like, trying to get people to have a party with him. But I did notice that Dylan was like, hey, what about Christine? I really liked her. And he was drinking water while his dad was already drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had like three containers of scotch, I guess. I don't know. I just, yeah, I think it's, I know nothing about limos and lawyers <laughs> paying for your limos and whatnot. I was just like, this man just got out of prison and his lawyer's like, you know what he's going to want? Jack's going to want some Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like... He even says, like, um, they're in the limo and they're and they're driving by and basically, like, apparently his lawyers worked out something to get him out on parole, even though he was not supposed to be up for parole for a while. And um, Dylan was like, so what do you want to do, Dad? And he's like, well, long term? I don't know. Short term? Let's party. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. Long term? Steal all of your money. Yeah. Like, seriously. And then you see that I guess Jack is in the Bellage. So I was wondering if Dylan is still staying at his house or if he went, would go ahead and move into the Bellage with his dad. Did they mention that? I don't think they did. They did not. They didn't say whether or not he had moved out. But, I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't Jack just move in? Maybe because it was Iris's house? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, Jack is probably going for, this is what I did before, and I want to, mm -hmm. like, get back to my glory days from three years ago, mm -hmm. right? But it just, it felt like their relationship has pretty seriously evolved since Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, it felt really fast, especially since Jack didn't tell him he was getting out of prison. But, I mean, Dylan even says at one point in the episode, you know, my dad doesn't like Jim, and if it's going to be good for our relationship, I'll just do whatever, something like that. Mm hmm I don't know how I feel about this whole situation. I mean, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'll say that. Because, I mean, apparently he's famous enough to have paparazzi at the Bellage, and he, like, seems to kind of like the attention and is almost, like, adjusting a little too well to, I guess, going back in the high life again. He just seems like he's too okay with it, right? Like, he's, like, joking with the reporter, and he's, like, um, already talking to Dylan about, we're going to have a party, invite all your friends, like, all this stuff. It's, like, he spent two years in prison, supposedly. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a long time to get used to one thing. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that he's just able to snap back to life in the real world. Mm -hmm. And... I think it's it's definitely on purpose with the writers, but I think it's very interesting that Dylan has been so suspicious of him and skeptical and, like, angry and not had a good relationship with him this entire se series. And then he gets out of prison, and to us, it's very clear that he is going to steal Dylan's money. But Dylan's just like, I just want to have a good relationship with my dad. Yeah. I think that's the worst part, right? Like, that's the, that's the part that gets me is that Dylan, he always seems to kind of, he seems sometimes jaded, but then also that he still wants to find the good in things and in people. And it's almost like he, he's naive, but he's not. It's He's naive, but he doesn't think he is or something. Like, because he, it's not like he's, like, not used to this stuff. He lived in a freaking hotel, you know? 
Yeah, it's it's so interesting that at somehow since I feel like it's since Dylan has turned 18 because I think Thanksgiving happened right after he turned 18. Mm-hmm. But it's like since then his relationship with his dad has just drastically changed and he's just like no, he's he's probably not going to steal my money. Yeah, it's like Jack just has this like gravitational pull on him. And he's got a weak, uh, a blind spot, right? He's skeptical, but then you get too close and and you're pulled in, right? I wonder if maybe it has to do with the fact that before all of this happened, you know, like the, I think one of the very first episodes we see Dylan, he's living at the Bellage by himself. You know, his dad isn't paying any attention to him. They're off doing whatever. And... You know, the whole time you see Jack before he goes to prison, he's a completely different person, mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> um, but he's like talking to other people, and Dylan barely registers in his mind. And since he's gone to prison, and especially now, I guess, Dylan is at the forefront of his mind. Like he's spending a lot of time with Dylan, and they're talking about these like rosy memories of, oh, you know, your dad told me about how you guys would order 10 banana splits and see who could eat them the fastest or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, Dylan's still a baby boy and sometimes a baby boy just wants their dad, whatever that may mean. And he's kind of, yeah, like his, his feelings or his thoughts or his actions or whatever toward Jack have drastically changed. But at the same time, it's probably because he's seeing, like you said, Jack's kind of giving him the time of day now. So he wants to hold on to it. You know, he doesn't want to believe that this is with bad intentions or, or with anything other than, no, my dad's out and he's just trying to take advantage of what life has to offer or whatever. Yeah. And I think the like kind of back and forth with Jack and Jim which I hate, (laughs) not surprisingly. Um, I think the back and forth with them and seeing how Brenda responds to that and how Dylan responds to it probably means something, too, that I don't have the intelligence to decipher. And Jim is, like, hella obsessed with Jack, too. I mean, on on a certain level, it makes sense, right? Because he dated her – or Dylan dated his daughter for two years, the better part of two years, or – three, whatever. Long time. Um, He's in charge of Dylan's money and he happens to, and Jack happens to be a criminal. So like I get it, but at the same time he can't separate Dylan from Jack and that manifests in being obsessed with Jack. And so that obviously leaks into what Brenda thinks because Brenda at first is trying to take take up for him. It's like, you know, why can't you um, why can't you uh, give him the bit of a second doubt? chance? Yes. And so, but then she pulls a 180 as well and is suddenly like very, very cautious and protective over Dylan, but not for the right reasons. And yeah. Yeah. No, I wrote that down because like Jim sees it in the newspaper and not that I'm even remotely convinced that Jim is a tax accountant at this point. He does something with money and, you know, he's probably reading the financial news and, like, that's what he finds so interesting is, like, I cannot believe this man who defrauded all these people got out of prison after two years, but then, you know, he is the exposition that tells us there are, you know, a hundred civil cases that are going to go against Jack. And that's when Brenda's like, oh, but you should give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe prison changed him. And then the second she finds out that Jack wants to talk to Jim about Dylan's money. She's just like, he's bad news and you need to take care of Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all know as the audience, this is fishy and we probably truly err on the side of Jim and Brenda because we want to protect baby boy Dylan. But in Dylan's shoes, he's like, hang on, slow down. Like, can't you guys just, like, give him a break? He's my dad. Like, you know, he's, you know, where he's coming from, he's like, well, no, he's he's trying to help me. My dad knows a lot about money. He may have done a bad thing, but he still knows a lot about money. You have and, to know a lot about money to do that bad thing. Yeah. And, like, 
he and Jim don't have a good relationship. And he, Jim's been in control of his money for the better part of two years. And Dylan probably feels like Jim isn't giving him a good amount of advice. I mean, he even says, like, he's doing a good job. But Jack's like, mm, but, like, how? Like, what's he specifically doing? And, and Dylan's just like, he's doing a good job. And he can't speak to it. Now, a lot of that is because, you know, he's 18 and probably just doesn't know. But he probably never thought to ask either. Oh, yeah. I When that was happening, all I could think of was that if Dylan had asked Jim to show him, like, how to deal with money, which I don't think he would have done even if he wanted to because they have such a fraught relationship, I bet Jim would have taught him how to do it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can just see this, the scene writes itself where <laughs> Jim's giving him basic, like, tips Dylan gets frustrated because he feels like Jim is trying to influence what he does. Dylan gets up and and throws his notebook somewhere. And then Jim's like, well, what do you expect? Dylan, your dad's a criminal or something stupid. And then Dylan leaves. Yeah. (laughs) Dylan drives down the coast and we don't see him for three episodes. He meets some girl named Marie or whatever her name was. (laughs) Cowboy Ann. That's right. (laughs) (sighs) That's so much more interesting than I'm sitting over here being like, all right, when you get paid, you want to take 10% and put it into savings. And then your savings account is going to generate something called interest. But it'll only be like one cent for seven years. (laughs) So then we can talk about index funds. Then the next thing you're going to want to do is invest in a CD. Oh, boy. Not the CDs like you know, Dylan. This is what, a- like Nirvana? <laughs> You'll be in Nirvana when you have money. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jim. <laughs> and then the music swells we and get, the episode ends. We get the Brenda and Dylan theme, but it's for Jim and Dylan. <laughs> All that to say is I get it, you know, like why everybody feels the way that they feel, um, whether it's about... Jack controlling Dylan's money, him being back in town, you know, Dylan having now kind of choosing um, who to be with. Like that whole plot is definitely now set up for the next however many episodes is finding out what happens to Dylan's money. Because that's been a source of contention between a lot of people for a long time, right? Like now we know Iris is presumably going to come back. um, So we could see her again if she's in the next episode or we at least get to hear her perspective. and see what happens and that's gonna also bring the Walsh family in and now Brenda's supposedly out of the picture you know like this that this was a good setup episode for what's to come I am really looking forward to an Iris Jack McKay showdown yeah with her like elevated more sophisticated accent but also her like hippy dippy kind of new age thinking and then Jack with like his weird cowboy talk yeah it's going to no, be cool. <laughs> I would love her to, you know, pull some like, you're such a Taurus. And he's going to be like, that's a cow. <laughs> you mean the one I got back on my ranch? <laughs> I do not drive a Ford, Iris. Yeah. How dare you? The limo's parked outside where you can see it. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dads. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Fucking David's dad <laughs> saying, I like women, okay? I can't help myself. Because that's an excuse you say to your 17-year-old son? Like, what? That's No, that's what he said to his wife, and then she was like, oh, she that's was right. 19. Oh, right, 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 yes. I was Ugh. thinking about the conversation he has with David later, which was equally gross. Oh, yeah, we just haven't gotten there yeah. yet. <laughs> Got like, him confused. Sorry, Mel, can't keep up with your creepiness. <laughs> Sorry, Mel is the worst. You're thinking of the other part where Mel is the worst. <laughs> God. But like, yeah. seriously, that's so gross. And also, that's so predatory. He is this girl's boss. I mean, Kelly is literally one year younger than her. Yeah. Right? And Donna. Yeah. Ugh. And he lives with Kelly. Ugh. We thought David was the creepy silver. No, no. Apple doesn't fall too far. I don't to say he gets it from his dad. But even then, like... I am sure David will do something else that will make me mad at him. But, like, this episode, I was fine with David. This was a great episode like, for David. I I just loved that, like, 
they were standing downstairs just yelling at each other and Kelly and David are upstairs in his room? I, I guess so. it wasn't her room. Mm-mm. But the, yeah, they're just like in his room hanging out together. And I felt so bad that he felt the need to apologize to Kelly for his dad's behavior. I know. That was sweet, right? I mean, sad, but like he so clearly wasn't even thinking about himself in this whole situation. He first wanted to apologize to Kelly about his dad, but then he felt bad for Aaron. He's like, she's just a baby and she has to go through all this. And then he's thinking about the fact that she's going to lose out on, on family. And I just think that's extremely sweet and very emotionally mature and something we haven't seen from David much. Yeah. Cause you know, I was thinking while I was watching it, he's been through a lot in the past couple months because you know his I think it was last season his parents get divorced and you know he had this whole reckoning then but then this season his mom just up and moves to Portland which I imagine is just emotionally trying no matter what age you are when your parent is just like sorry I'm moving yep and then you find out his dad is uh tacky as Kelly (laughs) calls it Mm -hmm. um and that they're going to have to move out of this house and he's going to lose this family that he had and he's not going to spend time with his baby sister and all of his friends are graduating at the end of this year. So he's also under pressure from school trying to graduate with them. Like David's been through a lot and this is a really, like you said, emotionally mature reaction to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's a very real reaction of like, I feel like a nomad because my mom's gone, I'm losing my other family. And then he doesn't want to live with a guy that regularly cheats on women. And he doesn't want to, he, I think he called it like a bachelor pad, uh, something or other. And he just doesn't on the Marina or something. Yeah, that's what it was. And he just doesn't want to be, be a part of it. And like, I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel really bad for him because he really is put in a really shitty situation. Um, because he just doesn't, he doesn't want to impose on Kelly and Jackie and obviously Aaron too, but he genuinely feels like part of their family in the sense that he, if given the opportunity, he'd want to stay. Yeah. And I mean, like this is before you find out that a lot of that is what's on his mind. Um, and all I could think of was he's got like, assuming he still has time to apply to colleges and get in, he's got like seven months until he can be out of the house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's, it sucks that I think that way, but I was just like, at least he'll be out soon. Like if he has to go move with his dad to some, you know, two bedroom apartment on the Marina where, yeah, he'll be home studying. And then his dad's going to come home with people that frankly, he probably went to high school with. Yeah. Right. Like, ugh. yeah, that's so gross. They could have picked a better age. Like, I, I I mean, I'm not trying to say they should have kept him cheating and, and stuff with a much, much younger woman. But if they were going to do that, they probably could have picked like a 25-year-old. <laughs> and this is another one that like truly I'm looking at this from the 2020 lens of like this is predatory. Yeah. That girl would have – she's a girl. She's barely older than a child. Mm-hmm. Well, and- this is probably her first job, like her first real, real job. Um, and so she, and, and if he owns the practice or even if he's just like high up in the practice, then she probably feels like she has to prove herself. And this, we don't know the facts, but we do know that this is a massive age difference to a person who is in a very compromised position. Yeah. There's a wealth gap. There's an age gap. There's a power dynamic. Mm -hmm. Like it's a lot of things that, you know, I don't know, maybe in 1993 they just saw it and were like, let's make her 19 because that's going to make older women feel inferior or something. Or maybe it's going to make our uh, – maybe they thought it was going to make the audience relate to it because their audience is 19. Or even that they were trying to say, no, this marriage is done done. Like you can't come back from this, right? Like this is too far. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is too far. I cannot abide cheaters. Like, Mm -hmm. truthfully, I've been mad at Dylan for a while. Yeah. And this is we were talking about this. We just wanted that relationship to end because they weren't good for each other. Yeah, or they grew apart or 
they needed to explore, you know, what was left of, or like, you know, they're graduating and whether or not either of them go to college, they need to experience life with other people. And if they come back together, then it's fate, right? Like have that talk. Don't just end because you cheat with her best friend. But yeah, I mean, so Jackie and Mel's relationship is over. Yeah, it's done though. I think, yeah, the only time we see either of them in this episode is to just talk about the relationship being over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it is very sad. I feel very, very sad about it because I was really excited about it. Um, But also there was the, I mean, David did like stand up to Mel and he was just saying like he was standing up for himself he's like I don't want to do this and he my one of my it was two quotes a week because one was more serious and the other was kind of funny um and it was I just don't understand why I have to lose a sister because you can't keep your hands off some girl in a white uniform and again that's yeah David thinking about himself but also like he how he's gotten so attached to Aaron and, and Kelly and Jackie that he's like you're doing this to me, like you're preventing me from having a family, like that's I that just broke my heart because I don't know I just feel like we haven't gotten a lot of really good emotional moments from David and this was just really good back to back few scenes here where he just broke my heart and I felt so bad for him. Well, and you know we've said this before. Brian Austin Green has proven that he can handle really emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it sucks that you have to be like, all right, let's get some really good acting here. David's life is going to go down the drain, and then yeah. we're going to turn on the disposal and shred it. Right. But, like, he crushes it. This is a very good episode for him. And I yeah. think it helps that, you know, he's going through emotional stuff and then not bailing on his girlfriend and being a horrible boyfriend kind of a thing. Yeah, like, like not acting out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I really felt for David this episode. And then there's another sweet moment a little bit later when um, <laughs> we'll get to that part, but Kelly comes home really late and Jackie finds her and, and I guess kind of gets mad at her, but then is like, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. I should be apologizing to you when you came home late because um, she's upset. And, and then Aaron was crying and then you see in there, David's got her with a little bottle. I'm like, dude, best big brother. Like what 17 year old is like, yeah, I heard her crying. So instead of putting a pillow over my head and turning around, I got up and thought she might need something. Like, that's adorable. Well, because, yeah, we saw that when she was born over the summer, Kelly being like, no, I can't, you know, I can't keep away from her. I have to be with her. And, you know, it took a little bit longer for us to see that with David, but it really does you know, hit home to be like, yeah, she's my sister too. Mm-hmm. I think he even says that. Like, I so am weird. her brother. Of course I'm going to take care of her. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And then, you know, in one way or another, forget exactly how it goes down, but, um, you know, David's, they're all, David Kelly, Aaron, and Jackie are all in the room. And basically there's some comment made about Dylan, I mean, Dylan, about David wanting to stay and, Jackie's just basically like, you should stay. Like, you are part of the family. Like, you should stay here. And I just love that because, first of all, that's great of Jackie to, like, we've been talking about a little bit, like, people not acting out. Jackie doesn't act out toward David, which she could easily have done because it's his father. Um, And not acting, I mean, sort of acting out to Kelly, but then apologizing for it. And then David not acting out toward Donna, you know, sort sort of thing. So I think this was just good emotional points that without the, like, they weren't over-dramatized, right? We didn't have to see somebody freaking out to still feel human and feel that connection. Um, so, yeah, good episode. You know what? I'm liking this episode more the more we talk about it. Right? Like, I didn't pre-grade it, but yeah. I knew we would talk about stuff that I liked. So it, it was more of a I'm not going to grade it because – I want to see like how high I end up thinking about it. Yeah. Because yeah, it's a lot of like raw emotion that they don't deal with by yelling, which yeah. I think is, I think it says something about everyone's acting and the relationships that we're supposed to see with those characters and, you know, just 
why the show is so good. Yeah. I mean, because we love the big drama moments. We love, you know, um, spoiled splut Steve. Like, we love all those, like, fun kind of poking at it moments. But these are the moments that matter. These are what you remember. I mean, we talked about this, about the Arrowverse earlier. Got to bring that back. But all the hokey villainy stuff and, and the costumes and the all that stuff, it's whatever. But you remember when you have those big character moments and those points of development and emotion and you you got to know that the actors love doing that because it's easy to go in and be like oh my god we're fighting this giant monster or oh uh talkman the clockman he's our villain this week like it that's easy but finding you know the human parts and finding the deeper parts that's that's where you really get to show off what you know why you're good at this and now that we're talking about it i'm thinking about it i think it's really interesting that, you know, they showed a lot of this where there was a bit of yelling between Jackie and Mel at the beginning. And then, like, once they got that out of the way, there really isn't yelling about that whole thing. And then the next time you see someone get angry like that is Brenda when she finds out about Kelly and Dylan. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, makes sense that, yeah, teenagers are going to yell. It's oh, what, yeah. It's what they're going to do. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. That was a great scene, too. She was yelling and it was a great scene. It was a great scene. And that's the thing. I think that's kind of the point, too, is that you can be a drama and you can be a high school drama, but you don't have to be over the top. You don't have to pour it on to make us feel it. And this episode was great at keeping it where it needed to be and being heightened when it needed to be. But then also, like, I don't know. It it was just, yeah, this is a great episode. Well, yeah, because even, like, you know, to kind of progress it a little bit, the next thing we see is Steve being at the peach pit and talking to Brandon and being like, hey, go to the Lakers game with me. I have courtside seats. And then Brandon won't go because he has to work. And then, you know, talking about gambling and stuff. And it's this, like, it's progressing. Like, Mm -hmm. we do see Brandon, when he gets interrupted while he's watching this game, he supposedly has $100 on. He does snap. And he's supposed to. Like, you can tell that that was the line read he was supposed to have because Brenda's just like, well, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I feel like that is slowly escalating. Oh, yeah. We haven't seen him. He's been interrupted watching sports before when Dylan changed the channel and he didn't yell. And now Brenda's like, I need you to stop watching that and focus on me. And now he yells. Mm -hmm. And so, like, at some point soon, we're going to see him fly off the handle over gambling. Yeah, because now we're also, like like you said, with that kind of ha- his emotional attachment to gambling, we're also seeing the physical attachment because he essentially, like, bullied Nat into making him, like, um, be able to contact his bookie directly. So now dookie. there's no <laughs> – yeah, dookie. There's no middleman anymore. There's no watchful eye. I mean, Nat even said he, like, he liked having that connection because he could watch over him and he could protect him, but – because Brandon apparently loves gambling more than, I guess, Nat's need to protect him. He's like, nah, bruh, you don't do this anymore. I go straight to Duke and you are out. So, oh my gosh, when, when you find out that Nat forgot to place the bet and then he goes and pulls a $100 bill out of somewhere to be like, I'm really sorry I did this to you. Here's the money you would have won. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, what's happening? He needs to be a series regular already. I keep seeing on guest star and I'm like, come on, man, just make him a regular. Does I? Does he become one? I haven't actually looked to see when and if people become series regulars. Well, I don't want to say if or. That's fair. Just That's if fair. he stays around. Cause I'll, yeah, because I guess after this would be college. So, like, they yeah. might, they're going to stay at the peach pit. We don't know. They're going to. We'll but anyway, Brandon doesn't want to go to the game because he's working. And then neither of them are going to Dylan's party. Mm-hmm. But then as Steve is walking out, he sees Andrea at the table by the door flipping through fashion magazines because she wants to change her hair. And I will never get over Sandria. <laughs> I know. They're like the biggest tease of the whole series. 
I literally, I don't care if they both end up happily married later in the show. I've seen the spoilers. I know Andrea has a baby because Gabrielle Carteris get pregnant while filming the show. I'm sure Steve ends up with someone at some point. I don't care. Well, he's, he does say my um, other quote of the week when talking to Andrea at this moment. And they're talking about, you know, should she go red? Should she go blonde? And one that was a contender was Steve said something about blondes are basically the state flower in uh, California, which made me giggle. But um, Andrea's kind of like going back and forth on how radical she should go with this change. And Steve does this like smolder at her and is like, more radicaler, the better. <laughs> and Andre's like, that's not a word, but nice try. <laughs> and Steve's just like, I like that word. <laughs> He's I like, like radicaler is not a, or it's not a word. It's an attitude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a state of being. And no, it's cute, feels- though, because he feels genuine this whole time. Like, it doesn't feel like he's messing with her. He actually seems like, no, 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 I like attractive things. I already find you attractive because we kissed that one time. So if you change your hair, that's just going to make you more attractive. <laughs> it's like, I like brunette Andrea. I am also going to like redheaded Andrea. And I am also going to like blonde Andrea. <laughs> yeah. Blondria. Just do anything. <laughs> Blondria. That's good. <laughs> Sorry. I like that. That's good. <sighs> oh god no i i loved it like audrea plays such a tiny little part in this episode but she makes an impact yeah she really I does love i love her so and much and the fact that she goes shopping with donna everything honestly like when she calls donna to like help me go pick out my drugstore hair dye box i was just like as you should well, and I feel like Donna is just, like, she would be the best friend ever. She's kind of like Mary in the sense that, like, she would make you feel really good about yourself, like, at will. Like, <laughs> Donna I'm is so just, <laughs> <laughs> like, think about it. The whole time, like, Andrea's, like, feeling really insecure. Like, what should she choose? What about this? And Donna's like, nah, girl, you look good. Like, you're going to look so good. Like, this is going to be great. And I'll help you and, like, all this stuff. And it's like, how do you not feel that much better after talking to her? Well, and the thing is, it's genuine, too, because she's like, no, 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 you should totally do this. And then with your complexion and with your hair color that you already have, if you want streaks, you should go with red instead of blonde and, you know, all this stuff. So it's like, it's not even just that she's raising you up. It's that she's being genuine about doing it. And she's actually going to make you look good versus, you know, the scene later where she's sitting in the uh, DJ booth with David and he's like oh you look beautiful and he says his dad taught him that smart women want to be told they're beautiful and beautiful women want to be told they're smart she's just like no <laughs> give compliments like you mean them yeah she's like, like what am I? <laughs> like stop listening to your dad he's a fucking idiot but literally once she said what am I I want to be like it's a trap <laughs> <laughs> because it was <laughs> but like she is beautiful and smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since when do you got to be one or the other? It's it's and. All these ladies are both beautiful and smart. She's both an them. angel on earth, if ever there was one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Donna Angel Martin. I don't care what her middle name is. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But yeah, I just love, I Yeah. Donna can do no wrong. And I don't, I'm sorry that Mr. Spelling made Donna have certain things because it's his daughter. But right now, I love all the things about Donna. Speaking of Donna and Andrea, the two people that we've been talking about, they don't get invited to Dylan's party. Yeah, that that's weird. Invite all your friends, like, except Donna and Andrea. Yeah, like when they get there and the only person that shows up is Kelly. I was just like, that's because you didn't invite half the gang. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dylan said that Andrea had something to do. But Did he? Because I know he but said. But I don't think he invited Donna. Yeah, because he said David had to study. Or David tells Kelly that he had to study. Because Dylan would have invited him. Mm-hmm. Brenda said she would go, but then couldn't because of Jim. Brandon couldn't go because of work. Steve couldn't go because of the Lakers. So yeah, I don't think they mentioned Donna. Yeah, they didn't. Rude. Bitches. Yeah. 
But that party sucked anyway. Oh my god, that party looked so boring. And I think it, you know, that's important because then, you know, Kelly is distracted by what's going on with her home life and Dylan comes out and what he offers her like tiny pizza in the least appetizing way ever. Like, I don't remember what he called it, but it was something like it's pizza topped with pig meat or something. Oh, I didn't pay attention. It was something gross because then she said she's not hungry. And I was like, well, I wouldn't be either. But also, I'm still very concerned about her and her eating habits. I know. I hope it's just like a subtle thing and not a thing that happens. I feel like it's got to happen. And like, I feel like they're dropping these breadcrumbs and I'm probably picking up on them more because I'm looking at it more analytically. But I was like, you can't have the last couple episodes and then have her just say, I'm not hungry. Yeah, true. No, you're right. I mean, she could legitimately be like, my life is terrible. I'm not hungry. But mm-hmm. but then, yeah, this party sucks. She's not hungry. She's really stressed out. So Dylan says, let's go swimming. <laughs> yeah. Don't love the swimming scenes. Um, I I really didn't like in the swimming scene where the camera went underwater. <laughs> like – Ew. They're more flowy. They're more flowy. It's like Shape of Water vibe. Like, you just, you didn't need that. We see them up close and personal above the water. You don't need to dip down to show that her legs wrapped around his waist. Like, But you have to believe it. It just, it was a little too much for my taste. And then, yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, he tells Kelly, I want you. I've always wanted you. And all I could think of was like, Kelly must be living in this right now to have this guy. Yeah. To have this guy say, I have always wanted you. You're the one for me. But then I didn't even put it together until Mary said in her synopsis, he picks Kelly because she's there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think doesn't Kelly kind of bring that up a little bit like not not a lot but just enough to be like why'd you pick me no I think I think she does and I just didn't really put it together because even in my notes I said like I think he's gonna pick Kelly because she can show up to things yeah that's a good point I mean and there's not the drama of the Walsh family with Jim and Dylan knows at this point or I don't know if he knows at this he may not know at this point but the fact that Jim is keeping up with his trust, like that's another added layer. Um, yeah. So maybe you're right. I think the whole, she'll show up when it matters. She doesn't carry all that drama with her. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, she shows up at 2 AM and Jackie's just like, Oh my God, where have you been? And she's like, you've literally never waited up for me before. And Jackie's like, you're right. I couldn't sleep. I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad, teenage girl, daughter. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brenda missed curfew a couple times and Jim was just like, you're grounded. Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I just – I knew from that moment in the pool um, when he said he was picking Kelly, I was like, this is really happening. Because it, like, it didn't feel – I don't know. It, it it just felt more real. Like, okay, yep, he picked and this is that. Like, it just felt definitive. And then, of course, they do talk about the fact that they have to tell Brenda. Like, they ha- and, and Dylan's like, yeah, sure, okay. But she's like, no, no, no. We have to tell Brenda what we did this summer. And he's like, uh, do we have to? She's like, yes, we have to. And, I mean, it totally makes sense. You can't hide that from your best friend. Mm-hmm. But you also shouldn't have made out with your best friend's boyfriend. It's true. All these especially, things are true. Especially not when your best friend is Brenda. Like, yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's a good point too. Cause I feel like, and I'm not saying she would have kissed David, but like if Donna had a boyfriend not named David and Kelly made out with him, Donna would absolutely a thousand percent be hurt. But I also feel like Kelly would have told Donna from the get-go and they would have had an awkward few months and then it'd be okay 
No, it's very interesting how the show has treated infidelity with each of its characters. We should do like a bonus episode on infidelity in 90210. Oh gosh, I don't know if I could do it. I'd get too mad. <laughs> in this hour long episode, we will be talking about every single time anyone has ever cheated. Thanks. Yeah, Ariel and Caitlin just get real mad. <laughs> that sounds like a White Claw episode. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, yeah, then we get this amazing scene. I mean, because honestly, like, it truly is a great scene because Dylan and Kelly come to Brenda's and we know what's about to happen. But then they're like, let's not be here. Let's go take a walk, which I think is a smart move. Let's be outside. Yeah. Away from objects in front of a crowd. And if Jim's there too, and you know, that that would not be great. And so they go out, they take a walk. Brenda's already like, shit, shit, shit. I know what's happening. And yeah, I mean, I didn't even really write anything except when Brenda's like grabbing her coat and she turns and she has this look on her face. I'm like, she knows. She knows it's over. I mean, yeah, the second they say like, we need to talk to you. We need to go somewhere. I was like, Brenda knows. Yeah. Brenda knows that he picked Kelly and she's really upset about it. And then he just kind of like blurts it out. Like they're mm-hmm. just like, oh, you know, when you were in Paris, it was it was Kelly. Kelly was the girl. It was her. And then, yeah, because I don't really write anything either because I was so focused on Shannon's acting. Hmm. But, and I could be totally making this up and correct me if y'all saw anything different. It looked like Brenda just, like, did not look at Kelly the whole time. It looked like she was looking at Dylan because she was saying things like, how could you do this to me? Mm -hmm. And it definitely looked like she was blaming Dylan. Although I'm sure, you know, next episode I'm going to be like, it was all Kelly's fault. Brenda thinks it's Kelly's fault. I mean, it makes sense, though, because it would be a lot easier for it to all be Dylan's fault so she can keep her best friend, right? Because I think you could you could easily go the route of, you are my best friend. You should know better than that. You should have, you know thought of like because right like I mean it's that classic thing of where a guy just can't help himself I mean literally Mel earlier I like women I can't help myself exactly but like you as a friend we're supposed to have a deeper connection or like there's supposed to be bonds you don't break and while I do agree that like sometimes a friendship could be just as intimate but different or more intense than a physical or sexual relationship at times, I do think you can't just take the blame completely off of the boyfriend. And in this case, they kind of did that. They put all the blame on Dylan, or at least from Brenda's perspective. I didn't necessarily notice it at the time that she was just looking at Dylan, but now that I'm thinking back, it was very, like, you know, focused. Because I think what they're trying to do is show that, like, she doesn't want to face Kelly because once she does... She knows she's lost her best friend. Yeah, because, I mean, it could easily have gone away of, like, her being mad at Kelly for being the other woman and be like, Dylan and I cheated on each other. It's what we did, whatever. But it wasn't supposed to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the thing, too. Kelly knows about Rick. Everybody knows about Rick at this point. It's not like Brenda was a saint. But the problem is, is it it doesn't matter that they both cheated because the other person involved in this is the best friend yeah it's not like rick nobody knows rick well and kelly was there during the cardio funk episode yep like kelly knows about all of those things but yeah it was rick who we never see again it was cardio funk boy who we never see again Mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be kelly exactly so sad but again these these actors they got they got the chops for it i mean they delivered again. I mean, I thought Luke Perry was the weakest of the three, but that's not like saying he's weak because Jenny Garth and Shannon Doherty are just that strong. Well, and I agree with you that I thought he was the weakest of it. And yeah, I think part of that is because they are such good actors and that we have truly bought into their friendship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're the number one ship on this show. <laughs> not a relationship. But a, a friendship. friendship. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Like the the ships 
the yeah the- it's um oh my gosh because we were just talking about this the other day because it's freddie prince jr's birthday so sarah michelle geller posted a picture of him from friends where like i showed it to john and john just goes and looks at me and is like what's a ship that never sinks a friendship <laughs> i am learning so much from you <laughs> i mean in this case it's the sh- yeah this is the ship i ship besides stondria i do love stondria because <laughs> yeah other than like that super emotional like breakdown of friendship on the other side of it we have half of stondria because when andrea is getting her hair dyed which by the way that is not how you do highlights like you know they show it later of like her entire head is a shade redder or whatever Mm -hmm. but she's telling donna she's like i want highlights and donna is just like dump this on your head okay (laughs) but like the entire box cool she puts it on her head and then they're sitting in her room like waiting for it to set and david's just like i don't even know why i'm here (laughs) which was adorable but they're both saying, like, you should just talk to Jackie about wanting to stay at their house. Mm-hmm. And poor little David is just like, I can't because I'll remind them of Mel and they just won't want me anyway. I know. Baby. So sad. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, David's got some human moments. Like, it, it just took a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... I hope we stay with David as he is now because I am cool with this. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous. He's still going to suck. But maybe if he's living in a house surrounded by Kelly and Jackie and Aaron and yeah. Donna, it'll just be good. I hope so. TBD. We have a lot of time left in this show. A lot of time. Um, the last thing that I wanted to mention was when Andrea is back in school and like Steve is quote unquote noticing her hair. Like this makes me wonder if like Steve was just humoring her or if, cause he felt genuine cause he was like smirking at her and like, Oh girl. Like I wanted him to growl at her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I think I would have melted into my couch. Can you not see him do that, too? Like, he absolutely would. No. Oh, my God. I died when she was just like, do you notice anything? And they're like, new glasses? No. New vest? No. And then you see his face be like, you did it. Yeah. He's like, girl. (laughs) He both felt like one of the girls as well as a love interest in that moment. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, it was so good. And I loved that Brandon had no idea and he comes like running over being like what I don't see anything and Steve is just like yeah you rock that (laughs) (laughs) it's like wink yep smirk see ya (laughs) Steve can I see you in my office please (laughs) right (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh because Andre is so old they totally have a like teacher student vibe (laughs) Like, maybe that's the fanfic we need to write, is that Andrea is a teacher. And Steve- <laughs> Andrea gets outed as never have – or never been kissed. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> and she stands out on the pitcher's mound waiting for Steve. Yes. It writes itself. <laughs> oh no, I, I melted. I, was I know. Like, it was adorable. Their Steve. chemistry is great. It's so good. But, okay, that's good. I'm glad we ended on a high note because that was an emotional scene that it act, that the episode actually ended on. I think the only other thing I kind of want to mention is when Brandon wants to get Duke's number and everyone's so nervous about it, like, Brandon even calls himself a Boy Scout. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not going to do anything wrong. I'm a Boy Scout. I'm in honors English. Like that. He said the thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's everything I, think, I have. I think that's why, just last comment, I think that's why he thinks this isn't an issue, right? Because he's like, I don't get into bad stuff. I'm a good boy. Well, and like everything, so, every time something bad has happened to him, 
like we see in a, yeah we see an immediate aftermath but that's it mm-hmm because really it was like the other big thing that actually came back on him was his DUI and he did joke about it a, two seasons later that happened in season mm-hmm. one right yeah and then he joked about it this summer mm-hmm because other than that I mean like He's messed up, but it's not really like anything bad has happened to him. Right, exactly. He has no consequences, really. Yeah, so I really genuinely think that he thinks he's invincible, and he's like, nothing's going to happen to me. I I have learned the science of gambling on basketball. Yep. How, when, when does the basketball season run through? God, forever. It's like... Um, the finals are in June and the new season starts in September. Yeah. So I think September to June, if you are in the finals, I guess that makes sense because they had to stop it before postseason started. Yeah. Postseason would start in April. That makes sense. Okay. So, oh, we got a while of gambling (laughs) because I'm literally just thinking like, all right, when the season runs out, you know, that's an actual stop for him. He cannot gamble on basketball if there is no basketball happening. He'd have to switch yeah. to something else. Right. But that's a while. I know. So, like, he could get really in the whole gambling. Yep. And, I mean, as much as I don't like Brandon, I don't want anyone to break his arm because he owes the money or, you know, whatever's going to happen. Yeah, as weird as it is, like I don't it's not like I want him to go to jail or anything. Oh, he's already been to jail. Oh, right. My mistake. But yeah, like, I don't want I, him to go back to jail. <laughs> I don't want something bad to happen to him. I don't want him to be addicted. It's actually really interesting that you know, we saw him drink twice and I think we heard about him drinking one other time. Mm-hmm. And he so readily accepted, like, I need to go to AA. I have a problem. I can't drink anymore. Yeah. And just not see an issue with gambling. That's very interesting. We're about to have some really interesting episodes if we got to keep up with Brandon's gambling and Jack McKay's in town. So, oh my gosh, could you imagine if somehow that crosses paths? Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, right? like I don't think that's gonna happen, but like, could you imagine? I mean, there, yeah, there was like at one point when Jim was listing all the things that Jack McKay was in prison for. He was like racketeering and fraud, and he's got mob connections. It made me think of Stefan from SNL when it's like this club has everything: <laughs> racketeering, <laughs> mob connections. Because <laughs> he just kept going. It was just like one thing after another. I was like, when did we get to Stefan? Oh my god, replace Jim Walsh with Stefan. <laughs> right? I want uh, that scene. Oh my god, <laughs> I've got badly. it. I've got it. <laughs> Beverly Hills, hottest club. Boy. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Jack it, McKay. It has everything. <laughs> oh. And it would even be like Stefan, where like he constantly breaks while he's oh, trying yeah. to talk about things. Totally. Yeah, I got to work on that. If I'm ever going to like, I just had a weird thought. If I'm ever going to do anything in comedy, (laughs) I got to learn not to break. We are currently doing things in comedy. (laughs) I got to get to work, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hitting that midlife crisis big time in this Rona. Third life crisis? (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) 30 is the new 50, haven't you heard? (laughs) Yep. All right. So, after all of that, <laughs> I give this episode an A-, and the only minus is just because I hate Mel. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, honestly, like, I want to dock it because I hate Mel, I hate Jack, you know, I hate a lot of people in this episode, but I feel like I have to give it an A, just like a flat A, because hmm. I don't think that's fair to dock it. Because characters are here that I hate because they're, you know, evolving the story. Like, I just don't, I don't think that's fair for me to dock because then I'd be like, it gets a C because I hate half of the people in this episode. Yeah, because it's not fair to the people you love. Yeah, because, like, I would give it an A for Andrea's highlights. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I need a screen cap of Steve being just like, oh, I know what you did. <laughs> you can't hide that from me, girl. <laughs> I remember our conversation from the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, it was literally like 48 hours before. He's like, oh, I remember. <laughs> Friday night, you said you want to dye your hair. And Monday, you're like, do I look different? You did it. You did the thing, girl. You know what I also remember, Andrea? That time we kissed. Take off your glasses and meet me in the hallway. <laughs> I'm sorry, teacher. Your office. <laughs> I'm really leaning into this. This is... <laughs> it just feels right. <laughs> Miss Zuckerman. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, he definitely would call her Miss Zuckerman. Yes. Yes, he mm-hmm. would. Oh, yes, he would. He so would. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, people are gonna. Yeah, this is this is teetering along a dangerous to- territory <laughs> here. All right, <laughs> next week we have. Oh gosh, what episode number twenty? Okay, season three, episode twenty. And no, we're not close to the finale yet. Um, <laughs> that one's called "Parental Guidance Recommended." I think, I mean, I'm reading, I I can't say what I think because I'm reading the synopsis. It's going to be about Jack. Yeah. yeah. And if we're lucky, Iris. Yeah, I hope so. Well, until next week, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Yep. And send us an email with your thoughts, questions, behind the scenes, tips, anything you got. Um, Just give it to us at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. Did y'all see we got an email to the podcast email this week asking if we wanted to be a model? Yeah, I was like, who do you think we are? (laughs) The answer is yes. The three of us (laughs) and our podcast would love to model. I just wanted to be like, did you know you're talking to Shannon Doherty? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's just a ton of pictures of Shannon Doherty from 30 years ago that you're saying should be a model. And you're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. Valid points, sir. (laughs) Or ma'am. We don't know. Or ma'am. Yes, I don't want to assume. But if you're not asking us to be a model, you should leave us a five-star review and – or five-star rating and a review and subscribe and share us with all your friends in the iTunes podcast thing. Yeah, and if you leave us a review, we'll shout you out on air. You notice we haven't done this in a while, so we could really use some more reviews. Just, you know, so people know where to find us, so more people can listen in and and join in on all these wonderful jokes that we make. I know. I mean, have you ever wanted to hear about Steve and Andrea in her office? Have I ever? And I know you do, too. So tell us. <laughs> I know you do. I've seen the internet. Yeah, come on. It's already probably written. Come here as wish it was even more. <laughs> Stan, Stondria, with us. Forever. Please. Ever. But yeah, do all those things, and we will catch you next week. So from all of us at Back 2 Podcast, I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya.